0: hey everyone welcome back to a millennial learns i am abby rancor thank you so much for joining and so much for always tuning in giving your feedback giving your reviews i really appreciate it um as you can tell if you have been listening to the podcast it's a little bit late so we're a little bit out of sync with the whole bible study and regular episodes usually if you're new here welcome but usually i do bible episodes on thursdays and regular topics on Uh, Mondays. So I'll do like a faith history or politics topic every Monday. And then every Thursday we go over like my Bible study section for that week. But I have been moving. Things have been pretty crazy. We finally like handed off the keys to our condo. We have no more condo. It's all sold. We're settled into my brother's place. So there was a lot of moving settling this week we're also trying to like get three cats to get along in this new house my husband and i have a cat my brother and his wife have two cats and it's been a little tumultuous with the cats because they uh, two of them are okay with each other and then the other two like you know my cat mick and this other cat are pretty much fine with each other but their other cat really does not like our cat and then our cat tries to like corner the other cat and start fights. So I'm trying to like separate them and uh, manage every, all of that when I'm home and working. So it's been interesting to do that and like try to figure out when and where I'm going to record my podcast and stuff like that. So we're just getting into the swing of things here. It is going well though. The house is amazing. Uh, Daniel and Ila's new house is great. So that's very exciting, but, it's been a lot so that's why my podcast has been a little bit late we're gonna to try to get back on track this weekend so hopefully i can put out a bible study one this weekend sometime and then the regular podcast episode on monday and then we'll be back on track i i would just like skip a week and take a week off but the bible study one where it i planned it out so it's ending the last week of the year at like the year end and so i really want to stick to that because Next year, I decided I want to do still the two episodes a week. And um, let me know if this if you guys like this idea or not, but I want to still do the two episodes a week. But instead of the Thursday episode being a Bible one, since we've already done that this year, I want to do a president every week. Since there's 46 presidents, I want to go through once a week and like highlight and do a biography, like a mini biography of each president. So we'll go from George Washington to... All the way down to biden um you know obviously then we'll have like six weeks off of that because there are more weeks in the year but that is the idea for next week uh, or for next year um just a little side note but today i'm talking about homeschooling and again this is like the sleep training one where it's like abby you don't have kids why are you talking about homeschooling already well i saw this story in the news that really shook me to the core and it really spiraled me into researching schooling options because I would like to have a family at some point And once they're to that age, I would like to be prepared. You know, I know it's like at least five years in advance, but I would like to be prepared and know what I think about certain school options, school systems, what we can do when we are there. Um, but let me recap the story because this was so crazy. Um, so I guess my assumption was that public schools are becoming a lot more liberal and a lot more like teaching inappropriate or not age appropriate things to kids. I've heard a lot of stories about that with public schools and that made me think like, okay, we should probably plan in our fin- like in our finances to try to send our kids to either a charter school or a private school or something like that because I think public schools are really going far left now. At least a lot of them. Maybe not out in like the rural parts, like out in Elizabeth, I I think it might not be an issue. But at least like in very densely populated public schools, they're starting to get quite left. And so, you know, though I've heard those stories for a while, but the the story that really kind of made me rethink this is I heard of this school that was a private Christian school in New York. And they hired this health teacher without really, I guess they didn't check her credentials or like what she was teaching. And I'm not sure if it was a full year long health teacher or if it was just like for this workshop, but basically she gave this workshop presentation to kids that were anywhere from between the ages of like seven and 14, something like that. But I know the lower age was seven. And in that she talked about like pleasuring yourself, porn search terms she talked very graphic detail about sex. like it wasn't just sex ed where like here's some logistics about how sex works it was like here's people's fetishes and here's what pe- what people search in like Pornhub and here is you know it, it was like so not in a pro like so not age appropriate for seven-year-olds and these parents didn't know that their kids were being taught this the school board it didn't even sound like they didn't even know like that the kids were being taught this and then once parents found out and they like brought it to the school board basically all the school board could do is say like oh sorry but the kids had already learned it and they're seven years old and they're learning all of these things that they should not be learning at that age so that's just an example but you know I, I bet it's not an isolated incident it doesn't seem like it I, there's more and more of these schools that these stories come out where they're learning just such inappropriate things like you do not need to know that there are people confused about their gender at the age of five you don't need to know about sexuality at five you can say like a very age-appropriate basic conversation about what it like where hey, where do babies come from? Oh, and mom and dad love each other, you know, that kind of thing. But we don't need to be teaching like six-year-olds graphic porn terms and details of sex. Like they do not need to know that. There's also a lot of public schools that are coming out with like this transgender agenda. Like it's now kind of it seems almost a trend with like middle school, high school girls especially to be coming out as transgender because they're starting this narrative super super young that like you might be a woman like you don't know if you're a man or a woman you don't know who you're attracted to like did you play with a barbie doll once as a boy then you might be transgender and they're like pushing this agenda on little kids so i always just in my mind thought that that was mostly public school but this story that was like a private christian school showed me that like you can't even really know um and of course like i want to be an involved parent either way so let's say i send my kid to a public school i want to know the curriculum i want to know all these things um so i feel like part of the problem might just be parents are pretty hands-off when they send their kids to school uh where i think it's important to be hands-on and know what your kids are, are learning but it's still just i feel like There's so much kind of deprogramming that has to happen when kids go to public school and then come back home. Like I went to public school. Um, Yeah, I guess I'll go into what I did. Um, I went to public school or I went to a private Catholic school just for kindergarten and first grade. Then my parents thought we were like moving out of the state. That ended up not happening. They ended up not wanting to. And so we ended up going to public school from second grade to eighth grade um my brother went to public high school and did not like it that much and he had a lot of friends from back when we went to the catholic christian school that all went to like a jesuit you know private school so he transferred there i ended up going there for my freshman year as well it was kind of far away from my house so i ended up transferring to just a non-denominational private christian school for the last three years of high school And I loved it. I thought it was great. It was nice. We like prayed before every class. We had Bible classes. I know some people hated it, especially people who were like, weren't into faith or God, but I really enjoyed it. I, I liked private school. Although, you know, obviously the downside is my parents had to spend a ton of money to send me to that school. So, um, That's kind of my background. My parents also at one point looked into a charter school and ended up not sending us there. I think because they didn't love the parents that were involved. Slash, well, I didn't know why until I researched, but I'm pretty sure part of it is the pressure to perform that comes with a charter school. People are very, very into the academics, or else the school pretty much doesn't exist. So, um, anyway, that is my background with school, but I wanted to go and see all of the different kinds of school that you could go to. And when I started looking, I realized there are 13 options for like traditional school. That doesn't even count homeschooling as an option because homeschooling is then broken up into a bunch of other categories, like basically what curriculum you're using to homeschool. Um, So there's pretty much infinite amount of things you can do with homeschooling. So I didn't go into all of them. I'm, uh, I'm just going to touch on the requirements, but I do want to touch on public s- or on a uh, traditional schooling first, and we'll go over the 13 options briefly here. So the first option is just traditional public school. Like we talked about, this is what I went to from like second to eighth grade. I survived, <laughs> but, um, This is operated by local state and federal government funds up to 9% of public education funding comes from the federal government. So it's called public school, but the federal government can only give about 9%. The rest of them come from tax money. Uh, The rest of the funding comes from tax money and the people that are surrounding the school. So you choose where to go to school based on where you live. So depending on like where your school's zone is, if you live in that zone, you get to go to that public school for free, except for your tax money. Um, You can also do something called open enrolling. At least I was able to do it. I was supposed to go to a different public school than I actually did. My parents liked one of them better. So we did an open enroll process to go to that school instead. That's an option in some schools. You hear a lot about this school choice stuff now um, and so that is where you can again choose a different school based off of you know so you don't just have to go to the the one that's closest to you basically um, in public schools te- teachers have to have licensure and that is all mandated by the state and they also have to adhere to very strict rules of curriculum it's much more oversight by like the school board and they have to stick to a very very strict curriculum so it's less freedom as a teacher Um, but it's all decided at the state and local level so there is flexibility from state to state or county to county whatever they decide at that level but teachers then have to adhere to that charter schools are like a hybrid basically they're also free but parents submit an application for their kids to enroll sometimes they are um Sometimes it's like performance based or a lottery system, but there's basically another application. So spaces are limited. Any company organization or individual can apply and get a charter to start a school. When the state grants a charter, they get funding and it's anywhere between three and five years of funding. Now this is where the charter schools get a little bit tough. This is like the trade off. Charter schools only allow the charter to remain open if the school and the students in the school reach certain performance standards. So like they'll do standardized testing and all that stuff. If they score too low, there's no more funding and the school closes. So it just like doesn't exist anymore. Um, But the plus side of charter schools is that chartering allows the school to run outside of the existing public school system there's a unique learning environment and you can be very specialized in a field so you can you can have your school like if if there's a stem organization like if let's say if Lockheed Martin wanted to open a charter school they could make it more focused around stem and math and science and all that kind of stuff Um, and they don't have to necessarily follow the public school curriculum. So there is a big pressure to perform, which could be stressful as a teacher, but the trade-off of that is that there's way more freedom as a teacher. Um, Magnet schools are also usually free public schools, but they specialize in a certain area like STEM or the arts or something like that. So we have a STEM school not far from our old condo and um, that would be considered a magnet school. It's more competitive to get in, it's based on academic achievement. Um, they're usually highly competitive or uh, have a lot of testing standards, stuff like that. But once you're in it's it's way more focused around a certain aspect. So that one is um, focused around STEM. Another one could be focused around the arts. So you would have like an audition to get in. Um, it's very competitive. The curriculum tends to be clear and transparent. This says for parents to engage in learning. So again, that's nice that parents have a lot of transparency because they're sending their kid to this um, this more specialized school. So um, yeah, those are, are very specialized. Again, charter schools can be a little bit specialized because they're opened by a company or organization, but the funding, um, is different a magnet school is a public school that just specializes in something and a charter is opened by an individual or an organization um, that makes a school and they will only get funding if their performance is high enough we also have public virtual school which basically i didn't think needed its own category but it's public school that's online so it just it provides more flexibility for kids they can go on and do online coursework instead so if you have a kid that like wants to do a sport for example my cousin wanted to play tennis way more um, one of his years of high school and so he just did online public school he could take his classes anytime and go to tennis camps or you know go play um, because he was very competitive in tennis and so he did virtual public school and that worked well for him we also have traditional okay so now we're moving into the private schools we have traditional private school Um, These are not funded at all by the government. There's tuition to attend. This is why it's so expensive, because if you have a very, very nice school, uh, you are going to be charged a pretty penny to attend that school. But with that comes a freedom to not follow a national curriculum, and it can be run as a for-profit or not-for-profit. This is just a regular... I guess I technically didn't attend just a traditional private school because mine was religious school which is a different category within private schools so i guess a traditional private school would just be no religious affiliation there's tuition and you can kind of do whatever you want Um, it's a lot of freedom as a teacher but it tends to be more individualized and things like that we also have boarding schools a boarding school is technically another private school option there is you know tuition which is typically way more because also food and lodging are offered to students and most people have most boarding schools force their students to live there throughout the whole school year Um, but that is kind of the purpose of the boarding school is to go beyond academics so it's not just school they then you know provide things like sports and after-school activities and extracurriculars it gives people an opportunity to go somewhere else for school have boarding and be able to get really into their extracurriculars um i would not want to send my kids to boarding school that is just me i think i want to be pretty involved in my kids school and schooling life and this is like the ultimate the ultimate way to not be involved is to send your kids to a a boarding school i'm sure there's ways to like know the curriculum talk to your kids a bunch all of that but I just i would not probably want to send my kids to a boarding school but we shall see um the next one is language immersion school this is basically the private version of a language immersion magnet school so you just like the name suggests are immersed in another language this can be a total immersion a partial immersion where you have like some classes in another language or a two-way immersion which i thought was interesting so the school contains like admits both Uh, They admit students that speak multiple languages, basically. So let's say it's an English and Chinese two-way immersion school. They would basically admit half English speakers and half Chinese speakers and then send each other to the languages in each other's, you know, in the language they're trying to learn. So it can be a two-way immersion Again, this is similar to a magnet language school, but this one is private, so there's gonna be a tuition involved. Okay, the next one is Montessori schools, which I keep hearing about these. These are like all the, all the rage, rave? All the rage <laughs> um, with like these c- quote, crunchy moms. I feel like these are kind of like the new thing for like the hippie moms kind of. Um, there's an emphasis on exploration and hands-on activities. They're encouraged to question things and experience things and to, quote, discover the world around them. So the classroom communities in these schools are usually three years, so the teacher will follow the same group of students for three years, and they do that to build deeper relationships with the kids and, like, know the kids better and know how they learn better and all of that stuff, which I don't really have a problem with any of that. But I have heard mixed reviews about like they have such an emphasis on hands-on experiences and like playing with blocks and stuff that they don't know how to like read and write and do math until later so um I would have I'm gonna have to like look into that more like what the actual rates of you know the academics are because I've heard such mixed reviews about this I've heard some youtubers say like they love the Montessori method their kids are not, behind at all and then i've heard you know if your kid's not driven internally really this might not be the best option because you don't know how to read (laughs) as well um so i i don't think i would want to send my kid to a montessori school but it's early and you know it might be a good option for some kids um they also put private special education as its own category this is just basically a tuition-based school if your child has special needs that You know, you can send them to a private school that specializes in uh, special education. We then have parochial schools, which is a religious private school, but it's funded by your church. So if there was a school that is fully funded with a church or affiliated with a specific church, um, that is considered a parochial school. It's different than just a religious school, which is the next category, which is a religious school that's private, and it has a religious affiliation but it's not affiliated with a specific church for a religious school there's there can be many organizations that donate and define the school it can be affiliated with something but it's still independent of one single church like a parochial school um there was a story in this article that i read where they had they sent their kid to a catholic school a parochial catholic school but that church started straying from like strict catholic orthodoxy teaching and into like more i guess modern catholicism and the parents did not like that so they sent their kids to a religious school that was um independent like so a religious school has a label of being independent away from a single church and that was important to them because they wanted their curriculum to be more orthodoxy focused. Um, so there's a little bit of nuance there. This is, then there's Reggio Emilia school, which I had never heard of. There's like three that are kind of the hippie ones, <laughs> um, that I hadn't really heard of. That's the Montessori, Reggio Emilia, and Waldorf school. So Reggio Emilia is, I put in my notes, hippie dippy teaching practice. <laughs> um, so okay this one is based on the idea that the that a child has a hundred languages teachers keep records for each student and they document moments of learning emotion and expression so it's a lot of like the teachers just watching the student like documenting whenever they have emotion and i don't know basically the two principles are emotional documentation and affirmation of many types of competency so like if they stack a block, they're like, wow, great job for stacking that block. That's what it sounds like to me, at least, from reading this. So if you have any experience with Reggio Emilia School, because reading this on paper, it seems like I would never want to do it. It seems not practical. Like, teach the kids some math and teach them how to read. This is all about learning an emotion. And once you've once you've captured your emotions, then you can learn to read. And it's like, it seems like these kids would fall behind academically. So I am not really about this one uh and then the last type is the waldorf school these are all non-profits and this is that you the the philosophy behind this is that you have to engage a child physically so the first seven years it's all about like physical stuff again feel like a lot of this might make you fall behind but then after the first seven years where it's engaging a child physically you know, and they are learning academic things while they're being engaged physically, it sounds like. So maybe it's, maybe I'm off and saying that they're gonna be behind. But then the next seven years is to develop emotional development. So from like seven to 14, it is getting in touch with your emotions. And then after 14 is purely like intellectual. So it's all the very higher level math, reading, writing, all that stuff. They claim very gradua- very high graduation rates, which I don't think, I don't really think that means, <laughs> means much. So they're comparing the high graduation rates to like public school graduation rates, which if you're sending your kid to public school, I mean, okay, I shouldn't say that, but more, how do I want to phrase this? Um, if you're sending your kid to a Waldorf school, you are caring about education you're caring about their emotional well-being you're like so oh, like very hyper involved in your kids education and you're monitoring that education because you're you're going out of your way to send them to a waldorf school now some parents when they send their kids to a private school also really care about their education they just don't want to pay for school which completely makes sense But some kids, that's just the only real option they have. They don't care about school, but they're getting sent to a a public school. Also fine, but it makes sense that the graduation rates might be lower in public schools. So saying that you have a very, very high graduation rate, I mean, just makes sense. Because if you care enough to send your kid to a Waldorf school, you're going to care enough to make them graduate. So I don't know if that's a, a Waldorf specific, like if Waldorf itself can claim that like, because of Waldorf method, everyone graduates. I think it might just be because of like hyper aware parents that are like, no, you're going to graduate. Um, so teachers follow the students through grade through uh, teachers, follow their students through the grades, just like the Montessori does for three years, but the Waldorf schools go from anywhere from five to eight years. So they might only have like two or three teachers through their entire education. They're The teachers are fully trusted and empowered to make the call in the classroom. It says um, again, I'll link this article below because I'm reading a decent amount off the thing and I want to give credit. I will link it down below. But basically the teachers are fully trusted. They are capable. They know the students very well and they can make the call in the classroom about like what to do or not do. again, I've heard mixed reviews about this. I've heard it can go south if someone is not internally motivated to go learn stuff. If a kid just is a coaster, kind of, this might not be the school. Okay, so out of those options, I pretty much would only want to send my kid to a private religious school um, or a public school out in the country. Like, again, in non-densely populated areas, I think public schools are still pretty good. But where it's very like liberal <laughs> honestly I don't really want to send my kid to a public school there I would be fine with sending my kid to a private Christian school I think um, but again it's pretty expensive so we will see about that so that brings us to homeschool again there are thousands of different ways you can homeschool your kids it's completely up to the parent and you don't really have to follow a specific curriculum now there are some requirements and we will get into that but um they all offer flexibility so most parents this says budgeted about two to four hours a day three to five days a week for homeschooling so it gives your kids a lot more flexibility with work I mean with their schoolwork and then like they can go do things in the day instead of being at school for like seven to eight hours as you would in public school. So you know the amount of time that you are going to be in school really depends on the methods that you're using, any outside activities you're going to, the age of the kids, how many kids you are homeschooling, stuff like that. So since I live in Colorado and I wanted to possibly homeschool my kids. Assumingly. Assumingly? Is that a word? Um, but I'm assuming I'm going to homeschool them in Colorado if I choose to homeschool. So I wanted to look up the Colorado homeschool rules and there is a homeschooling Colorado homeschool statute that really outlines the different, um, options you have as a homeschooling parent in Colorado. So the first one is homeschooling under the Colorado Homeschool Statute, instruction has to be by a parent, guardian, or adult relative. So this can also be open to co-ops where you like send your kid to a little mini group for part of the day and have some educational activities there. But for the most part, you are being taught by your parent, guardian, or relative. Um, So pretty traditional. You notif- You have to notify the school district that you're homeschooling annually and you have to do it 14 days in advance or else you cannot homeschool. So two weeks before the school year starts, you have to give the district a notice that you're going to be homeschooling that year. There are requ- required subjects, which are the U.S. Constitution, reading, writing, speaking, math, history, civics, literature and science and you must have 172 days of instruction, averaging four hours a day. So it's like half the year, basically every other day, I guess if you did it year round, you'd have to do four hours a day. So that is not very, I mean, it seems like actually kind of a lot of school for homeschooling, but it's, I mean, compared to public school, it's pretty much nothing. So um, like you could do if your kids are older, just, the eight hours a day but three days a week instead or two days a week you know so um there's a lot more flexibility and a lot less actual school or time you have to be in school this involves a lot of record keeping on the parents part you have to keep records of every time you are instructing so like if you did a four hour session that day you'd have to say four hours you know i'm I taught four hours on this day and you have to submit that at the end of the year saying that you met the requirements and that they can like pass the grade. Um, so you have to have, yeah, attendance, test and evaluation results. So you still have to do standardized testing as a homeschool student. If the parent is teaching you, um, you have to submit immunization records and, uh, superintendent can request records with a 14-day notice if they have probable cause that you are not in compliance. So if the school, if the superintendent thinks that a student is not actually doing school or not uh, like falsifying records or whatever, then they can request all of the parents' records. Then you need to test the student. There's standardized tests required by a qualified person. No, there's standardized tests required or You can just get your student evaluated by a, quote, qualified person, which is a person, a Colorado teacher who's certified um, by Colorado, a licensed psychologist, or a person with a graduate's degree in education. So all my friends who went to and got their master's in education, I'm looking at you. You can evaluate my kids and say that they can pass the next grade. They're tested in grades three, five, seven, nine, and 11, Those are the standardized test grades. But again, instead of doing a standardized test, if you want, you could bring your kid to a qualified person to tell them that they can uh, test out. I would probably still do standardized testing just because it's good to have a baseline of where your kid is probably. And um, so I think that would probably be something I would want to do anyway, Uh, because I feel like it is a little bit sketchy if you just bring your kid to a psychologist who doesn't even know them and they're just like hey can can he go into fourth grade and how do how do they tell the baseline really you know so that doesn't seem actually that helpful for the student so I would probably just have them tested like standardized testing Um, because it's only it's pretty much like one day every two years Um, okay so then you can also homeschool with an independent school parents can teach their children at home under independent school supervision so basically what happens here is that two or more homeschool families can establish their own school and that way like you don't have to have it doesn't have to be your guardian that is teaching you it could be like the other um, family's parent that is teaching you Um, so that's a pretty easy one you still have to document everything and you still have to submit test scores and, and stuff like that, but it is more flexibility with who's teaching your kids at what time. Now, in all reality, this is probably the option that we would go with because I would still like to work part-time. I probably I'm I figure that I probably will be always working part-time. And we have a plan where once I have we have kids, me and my sister-in-law will probably both work part-time and watch each other's kids on the off days essentially so if we just continued that through all of homeschooling um that would be great but the way i think that she would be able to teach my kids is if we establish this independent school or at least that's the easiest um Then the third option is you can homeschool with a certified teacher. So if your kid's instructor holds a valid Colorado teaching license, there's essentially no requirements. There's no notifications you have to give to the school board. There's no assessments you have to do. There's no requirements. You can just say like, hey, I'm a Colorado teacher. I'm going to teach my kids. You don't even have to like notify your school. Um... That would be an option, but I don't have a teaching license. I don't want to really get a teaching license. But we were talking about at some point if some of my friends who have teaching licenses wanted to teach my kids, um, you know, that would work. However, that doesn't help with the cost stuff. So that's basically, that seems like you're just sending your kid to a very expensive private, uh, like super private where your kid's the only student. Uh, it's basically a private school at that point. So I probably wouldn't want to do that unless there's like a big group. But that I think could also fall under the independent school. So um, yeah, those are the three big options. I would probably just do, you know, the regular standardized test. Like you have to do 172 days, four hours a day. That doesn't seem that hard to do. So um, I think that would be totally doable. Um, okay, so how many people, I wanted to look into some stats about homeschooling, so I asked how many people decide to homeschool every year, and is it growing? So there were 2.5 million homeschool kids in the spring of 2019, and that number doubled. There were about 5 million homeschoolers in March of 2021. Of course, this is due to COVID, people are nervous about the pandemic, but I was actually surprised because this is as of March, 2021, where, you know, schools were open at that point um, and people still are deciding to homeschool. Of course, some of that is still because some schools had COVID restrictions. So I, I assume that number will go down next year when things are completely open and there's like no mask mandates anymore and stuff like that. I'm assuming more people will send their kids back to school. But I do think that, like, when people were forced to have their kids at home and basically homeschool them, a lot of people realized, like, hey, this actually works and it's kind of nice to have my kid home all day. So they just decided to homeschool. I bet that's going to be a good portion. I don't think this five million number is going to stay there. Uh, I think it'll go down a little bit, but I think it's still going to raise from 2019. Um, There are a wide variety of people who homeschool. There's a 60-40 split of white and non-white homeschoolers, basically. So um, there's lots of people from all different backgrounds decide to homeschool. Uh okay this was interesting too taxpayers spend an average of $14,270 per student annually in public schools so obviously you you know each taxpayer's not paying 14,000 but if you do the math the amount of money that a school gets divided by the students it's about $14,000 a year homeschoolers spend an average of $600 a year on their homeschoolers. so it's very inexpensive however in order to homeschool someone has to be home to school them (laughs) so uh, like if I did that even half time I'd be losing out on half time of an engineering salary so it is expensive if you look at it that way, like you're not getting paid for your entire job. Um, you're only getting paid half time, so you are losing out on that money. But there's not really a lot of additional cost to homeschoolers. There's like some workbooks or maybe a curriculum online, things like that, but it is not super expensive. So then I wanted to look at why some people homeschool, like what are the reasons a lot of people are homeschooling? And they basically, I saw found this article that does the big i think it's seven categories of why most people homeschool homeschool first of all you can customize the curriculum like we talked about there's a lot of freedom in homeschooling you can pretty much teach whatever you want as long as you have like the state required classes in there but let's say you know you have to do history well you're gonna have to hit some baseline history knowledge but if your kid really really loves learning about Thomas Edison or like Benjamin Franklin you can really dive into that specific thing where in public schools not everyone's going to want to dive into learning about Benjamin Franklin you know so it's a lot of flexibility as long as you hit this the standard things the standardized tests you can really tailor the curriculum to your child's interests which I think is great um second is you can accomplish more and move at your own pace a lot of homeschoolers graduate early or are way ahead of their class in at least one area that they really enjoy you can go as fast or as slow as you want so if you're struggling with an area you can spend more time there if you're excelling you can go quickly um then there's use of pedagogical approaches um, I'm going to need to look up what that is. I forgot to make a note about what it is. Hold on. Pedagogical approach. Okay. I'll, while I'm looking that up, I will go to the other ones. Um, The other one is family relationships. And this one, I actually heard a YouTuber talking about this that I really like. Their main reason, even though they, yes, they are Christians, they are a little bit nervous about the public schooling system, is... That they just wanted to be involved in their kids' lives. Sending their kids away for nine hours didn't seem that appealing to them. They wanted to be like a family unit that was spending time together. And so that's why they decided to homeschool because of the family relationships. Um, Okay, so this is saying, what does pedagogical approach mean? The broad principles and methods of education used in teaching practice. Um... Okay, so basically I think this is just, this kind of goes through, like, this kind of plays along with the curriculum stuff. Like, you can uh, use different methods to teach as opposed to just sitting there in a classroom. Like, I think Waldorf School would be kind of considered, like, a different pedagogy. (laughs) Gosh. I didn't realize how bad I was at pronouncing words until I started this podcast. Um, but anyway, you can just use different methods. So, like, if your kid really wants to be physically active, you can, like, interweave that into your teaching style, um, that kind of thing. So, again, flexibility. Um, the next reason was guided and reasoned social interactions. This is, like, you can put them in specific sports. You can, um have like play dates or do co-ops, that kind of thing. But it's not just like so overwhelming with public school. Um, I don't know if this is like a huge one. Maybe if your child has shown like anxiety and stuff, maybe that's a reason for you to do it like that. Um, But I think the concern with homeschooling would be interactions because you don't have like all the kids in school. um, So you'd have to put them in outside sports or activities or co-ops or things like that uh the sixth one is a safer environment again I don't love that as a reason to homeschool because I feel like if you're over like if you make the world a bubble for your kids it's not gonna do it's not gonna do great things in the long term if they can't deal with like a little bit of danger or a little bit of you know nervousness I don't know so safer environment yes it is safer that could be a reason for some parents that would not be the reason that I would want to homeschool um because that the underlying root then is kind of fear-based um, and not wanting to put your kid in any sort of danger, which you could argue that like it's fear-based with the curriculum in public school is the reason I'm doing it, but I don't know. I think it's a little bit different. I don't think physical, safer environment is gonna be a great reason to homeschool, but it's up to each parent, so if that's what's really important to them, they can homeschool. Uh, And then the last one is teach a particular set of values, beliefs, or worldview. I guess that's kind of the motivation behind me, behind mine is like, I want my kids to learn a Bible class. I want my kids to learn like about gender and sex from a Christian perspective. I'm sure there's ways to do that in public school, but the, the main public school curriculum is not gonna say anything about God, unless they're teaching you a full religion class and they teach that all gods are the same they teach that allah is the same as god like and i i mean you know we all survive like all of my family got taught that in public school and we all survived and know that that is not true um but still so it would it's just easier i think if they get that foundation from a or that education from a biblical perspective Okay, so then I looked into how homeschool kids do on average and looked up some stats. Um, Home-educated score tend to score 15 to 30 percentile points above public school. Uh, 78% of peer-reviewed studies have shown that homeschool students outperform public school students. Again, if you're homeschooling, you're pretty involved and really invested in your child's education and some public school Um, Students are not super invested in education. So again, I don't know how much weight that holds, but it stands to reason if you're like really invested in your homeschool kids' education that they are going to do pretty well uh, on average. Um, Okay, homeschool students score above average on achievement tests and they are above average on SAT and ACT. They tend to be. So that's all good things. Um, Again, pros to homeschooling. The flexibility is huge. There's short school time, which means they can kind of experience life. If you wanna learn about geography, you know, I've heard I've heard homeschool students wanna learn about the geography of America. Their family can go take a road trip, you know, and see it for themselves. And they can just have more experiences because they have the time to do that. Um, again, you can develop hobbies, do flexible vacations, invest in things that you want to. Again, going back to like, if they really love American history, they can dive into that more than you would in public school. Um, Cons to homeschooling is there's not as much natural social interaction. So that would be a concern because usually you have a class of like 30 kids and they're all interacting together. You would not have that in a homeschool environment. So you would have to do, I think I would want to do a co-op or sports or outside activities to do this on a pretty regular basis so that you do get that interaction and it's not like shocking when they go out into the world with like 30 people their own age um the other con that we talked about is you can't work full-time it would be less income but I think it would make up in like the experience of homeschooling the fulfillment you would get and the fact that you just know that your kid is getting a good education um you I might want to do private anyway instead of homeschooling at certain ages like I think high school by the by the time you're in high school you're so developed in your belief system and your like worldview and of course things can change but it's easier to like make your own critical thinking skills in high school so like maybe we would just send them to a private high school and and homeschool them you know k-8 through or something so there's a lot of flexibility but I really really enjoyed it learning about this and i think i definitely am thinking and leaning towards homeschooling at least like part-time or um something like that because i just feel like it's such a good option so much flexibility i would have i think i would have loved flexibility now i know that it doesn't work for everyone to have like a parent relationship and also be a teacher uh so it's definitely going to come down to each individual kid when we're there but all this information is very good to know in the meantime so that I can make that decision and Jason and I can make that decision when our kids are that age so yeah I think that is really great if you are a homeschool mom I would appreciate a DM or an email or anything um, with your tips tricks any like warnings concerns anything like that any help would be Great, because I am all for learning as much about this as I can, but that gave you hopefully a good baseline about homeschooling and as it did me, I really loved this so um hopefully again this weekend I will be releasing a uh, Bible study uh, podcast and then another topic on Monday so that we are all back on track can finish the Bible. Uh, by the end of the year, like we had planned. And it's been going really well. I actually really love the Bible study ones way more than I thought. There's some parts that are so hard to get through because there's so many names in so many places that I just, it's kind of overwhelming. I'm like, okay, I need to track all of these characters. But the stories that I've been learning about in their context have been great and I've been loving it. So make sure to tune in and go listen to the Bible study episodes. They have taught me so, so much. So that is all for now. I will see you hopefully this weekend for another Bible study episode. And then on Monday, we'll be back on track. Have a great day, everyone. And I will talk to you later. Bye.